Hi everyone, it's Nathan from Headbangers. Today we've got a really fun episode for you. Um, we've got Quinton from Tribal Gaze. Now, you know, a lot of people might have heard of Tribal Gaze by now. They're blowing up everywhere. The new album is absolutely spectacular. We recommend everyone listens to it because it's one of the best death metal releases of this decade in our opinion. Um, yeah, this was a really fun episode. Um, we got to talk about a lot of subjects, you know, heaven, hell, um, everything in between, gone to plenty of uh, tangents, which obviously, you know us, we love tangents. Um, so yeah, um, if you like the podcast and you want to support us, make sure drop us a, a like and a comment and a subscription on YouTube if you're watching it on YouTube. And don't forget to follow the podcast on any streaming platform of your choice, as well as give us a rating because it does help us. In regards to social media, you can find us on everything under Headbangers Podcast, except for Twitter, because that's Headbangers Pod 1. Headbangers. Welcome back to the Headbangers Podcast, where you host Nathan and Brad. Here today we're joined by Quinton from Tribal Gears. How are you doing, man, to start off with? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good. We're doing good. Um, so we like to start off with like a little icebreaker. Um, what's your funniest gig or tour story? You know, you've been out on the roads. Like, what's what's one thing that sticks out to you that you always remember? Um, probably, I think we were in. I'm trying to think. No, we were in uh, Phoenix. No, 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 no. We were in Albuquerque, and uh, Steve from Stab Wounds. Uh, okay, so Lance, their guitarist, he doesn't he doesn't really smoke weed, and so he, Steve put um, edible weed hot sauce on Lance's like I think it was like a tostada or something, and dude just it was so funny like whenever he found out that he was like about to be tripping ass, dude, we laughed so hard. That was really <laughs> funny. He ended and it was funny because he ended up playing great. It was like it ended up not being a big deal, but he don't smoke, so he got so high. You gave him it's a tribal a tribal bless. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we didn't know he did it until after, but when he told us he did it, we fucking cried laughing. And then for the rest of the day, Lance was just fucking just gone. He was so high. No, oh, yeah. It's it's always it's always funny with edibles because it's like when you smoke it, you know the point where you can go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put it down. Yeah. Now. But edibles because it's, it has that delay. You're there, like, I don't know if the strong, I don't know if the weight. I'm just strapping in, like, and I'm just gonna hope for the best. <laughs> the amount of times where I've like eaten an edible, then gone out in public, and it's just hit, and I'm there, like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have been out in public right now. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, Lance had no idea what was coming. It was, it was pretty fucking funny. And then Steve also gave me, he gave me some shrooms. And I didn't, I haven't taken shrooms in years and I didn't really have a way to measure it. So I figured it wasn't much and it ended up being way more than I bargained for. And so I took it on our way to, I think, mm, Vancouver or something like that. I think that's where we were headed. And, uh, oh, I was just freaking out the whole time. I was <laughs> literally freaking out the entire time. But I mean, it, it was fun, but everybody was asleep and we had to do an overnight drive from Oakland to, uh, to Vancouver. And so I was just seeing shit in the dark, and it, it was a it was a journey. I've never I've never done mushrooms. I've never had the chance. Um, I, I, it's been on the list. Never been able to get them. It's really hard to get them in the UK. Um, oh really? 
Yeah, like sometimes it depends on the season because sometimes you can just pick it. Like a lot of people just pick them. But then it's knowing a guy that knows a guy that picks them or knowing a guy that picks them. But it's like you just got to have to have the right sort of like connection for it. I had like one friend go, I've got I've got a guy that has him. And I'm there like for ages. I was like, did you get him? Did you get him? Does a guy definitely went, well, I don't know the guy that has him personally. It's a mate of a mate. And I, you know, I don't know if it's awkward asking him, like, dude, just fucking ask him. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're exchanging cash for this. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's an experience. It can be like, I've had, I've had really good and really bad. It kind of just depends on like where your head's at with it and like what the environment is. Uh, I usually don't trip unless I'm going to be around like all my homies and shit or like, I've got like albums lined up and I'm going to just listen to music or something, but oh, yeah. uh, yeah, you should definitely do it, man. It's, it's a lot of fun, especially with, with your homies and you're like, and you giggle a lot. You're, if you and your friends like laugh a shit ton, that's like, that's the best way to do it. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm thinking about booking like a little holiday to Amsterdam at some point. Um, like, and cause I heard that you can get ones where it's, you don't trip, you just get the feeling and like doing that as a trial. And then if I'm like, ah, oh, I quite like this, doing the oh, whole okay. thing, you know, I could try just just to see, does it agree with me, like, or does it not? It's like the um, diet Kirk version of shrooms, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, when it doesn't agree, that shit's wild. <laughs> I can quite imagine. <laughs> oh yeah, I I remember hearing a story about um one of my like parents' friends. And I heard this, funnily enough, from my mum. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, we wouldn't see Amsterdam. And their friend did shrooms. And the one thing that the guy told him, well, if if you start having a bad bike trip, have some orange juice. It makes it better. So I... Like, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. They went to the, the, like, the hotel room and like knocked on the door. And like his wife came and answered. <laughs> right, he's in a bad way. And he looked over, and apparently, like he was like on his knees, like guzzling <laughs> orange juice. Like, <laughs> like, that's amazing. Honestly, it's just the image in my head. Like it's just so funny. Just, just seeing it, like imagining him just like absolutely kidding oh, yeah. in this orange juice for look, like, dear life. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I also so I want to kind of get into as well. I ask every death metal band this. Um, because it's always fun to sort of see everyone's sort of answer to it. Um, now, I feel like we're going through a bit of a another like gold rush of like death metal at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, and like there's just so many bands popping up. There's so much difference in sound and, and everything like that. Why do you think why do you think that is personally? Like what do you think's like sort of sparked it? I could be wrong about this because I mean, I don't want to say I was late to the game. But I didn't really hear about like maggot stomp and stuff until like uh, until my homies in Frozen Soul joined, mm-hmm. um, and so like, I didn't really know about the the underground death metal scene coming back up until about that time. That's when I started paying attention. Um, and I really think that bands like Sanguisugabog, Frozen Soul, Undeath, just like <sighs> coming out with that kind of music when death metal for so long has really to me it's always been like when I thought about death metal, I thought about technical death metal. And like, I mean, I've always listened to obituary for probably 10 or 12 years. Um, I really didn't get super heavy into cannibal corpse until like the past six or seven years. And then I got really into Nile somewhere around 2014, 2015. 
And those have always been like my main, like somebody says, like, do you like death metal? I just think of like, you know, those three bands, but there was something cool about the simple and grimy death metal that started coming out. And it's weird because like undeath is like pretty much the farthest thing from simple. They're definitely not simple, but it was still very raw and just kind of just gross sounding, I guess. And yeah. I feel like it was just refreshing. I feel like people have really just had a lot of, I don't want to say boring death metal, but I mean, if, if every band is just a bunch of technical bands, it's kind of hard to stick out. And so I think a lot of catchy stuff started coming out at the same time. I think that's, to me, that's kind of what caught my attention. I think that's what got a lot of people's attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely. think like um, what me and Nathan have always talked about recently, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it leads nice into my next question, but like the riffs on this album is like a mixture of definitely not just death metal, but like, you know, the crunchy, the heavy as fuck. They've also got some groove to them. It seems like an influence of both death metal, but also a bit of hardcore as well. You know, like the way that you've got some two steps in there, you've got some like, you know, moments when it will break down. It's not just traditional stuff that you'd hear from the 90s. And a lot of the new wave of bands like Tribal Glares, like Frozen Soul, all that kind of stuff seems to lead into the, you know, the mishmash of putting things in a pot and seeing what sticks. Like, Am I wrong about that or is that correct? I think that's pretty accurate. Most of us in this new wave have been in the hardcore scene for like the past like 10 years. And so whenever it was like, you know, death metal starting to kind of make a comeback or like old school sounding death metal made a comeback, the emphasis on moshable parts Definitely, was kind yeah. of, that was kind of what set everything apart and just a i don't know I, when i used to think of death metal i used to not really think about like i didn't start listening to mortician until like like two or three years ago so i didn't i never like thought death metal and like low tuned ass whooping riffs that's just never those two never came together for me really yeah. and so i think yeah i think the hardcore scene had had a huge influence in it and for me personally i like all my favorite bands like crowbar and like mammoth grinder those are two of my biggest influences and they're not i mean mammoth grinder is kind of death metal sometimes and sometimes it's just like real punk you know but and then crowbar is not death metal at all but like it's got those kind of riffs that when you put that in death metal it makes it interesting for me personally so that's kind of like what we're going for. We're kind of trying to do just something big and memorable and heavy, but still keep it in the death metal realm, I guess. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think so- what's what's crazy as well is you're getting like, I noticed there's not a lot of like differences in scenes anymore. Like, you know, like back a few years, like even a few years ago, it'd be like if you, if you was like into hardcore, you'd be into hardcore or metal. Like, but it was almost like you couldn't like fluctuate between both scenes. I've noticed like this recently a lot more like more bands they they float between each other. Like where it's like we've got hardcore bits, so all the hardcore kids can come down, but we've also got like, you know, you stand you know, your standard metal as well. So you know, every like metalheads, hardcore kids, I feel like they're all sort of like mixing together in just one yeah. massive like pot now, where it's like it's actually really good because it's improving both sort of styles of music. Yeah. It definitely is. I think uh, it's probably the best thing that's happened to the genre in a long time. I'm sure a lot of people will disagree because everybody's got their their opinion on it. But I feel like having as many people want to change and like progress the sound 
and, and literally in both fields, I think it's for the best. And I think if you, you know, we've had death metal without hardcore for a long time. So I feel like now the scenes coming together is definitely just making this whole big new thing. That's it's going to get to a point where, you know, you're really not going to know what to call bands. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Oh yeah, definitely. Same here. Like I once, I remember reading an article about Gulch and it was like, what is this band basically? And it's like, uh-huh. cause they had so many influences on it, like with them. It was like, you couldn't really, you know, like you couldn't really nail them as like just a hardcore band because there was just like, there was death metal in there. There was, definitely like more older school sort of punk in there you know yeah. like they even had like sort of black metal trend picking in some songs and it's like i think that's one of the things that really sets them apart to me for sure is like the evil trend picking and like with like the old punk beats and stuff like i think that's that's really what i think of when i think of gulch that's like what makes them stick out oh yeah definitely it was just it i, I think like it's so sad that they that they're, they're not like together anymore because like so, they would have had the world by the balls because they were just so different. There was a, such a breath of fresh air in the scene. They, you know, they, they are one of those bands where it's like, it would be hard for someone to place them. Like if you went, mm-hmm. okay, listen to this track. What's this? They're like, oh, well, that's definitely like, you know, like a punk beat. That's not a, that's not like hardcore guitars though or anything like that. You'd be like, hang on. <laughs> like, it, mm-hmm. it, it would be difficult. Yeah. It would, uh, and then bands like uh, Tsunami. Like, oh, I love Tsunami. Fucking slam riffs, and then, you know, like, hardcore vocals. And so when you've got, like, something like that, and then that sets it, you know, apart from, you know, like, the other bands in that area, I think they have a good thing going over there, and I think they all kind of figured out their own sound. And Gulch definitely, uh, that, that'll definitely be missed. I think, all, you know, maybe they'll come back and do something like special every now and then or something. And it's probably, I mean, nobody wants to just stop their band at like the peak of it being perfect, but there's something kind of mystical to it, you know? Mm, yeah. It's like they go out on top, then if they ever want to come back do a reunion show, it's going to be fucking huge. It's going to sell out, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, so yeah I, absolutely. And, you know, uh, they're all in different bands. And, I, you know, I know the drummer is for sure. And so it's like, uh, <clears throat> it's probably for the best, you know, if they wanted to move their other projects around and, you know, do more shit with those. So it's probably for the best. But I think they have like a, a pretty good future ahead of them as far as like if they ever want to come back, they'll be welcome back like perfectly. So, yeah, oh, yeah I, think, I think pretty I much think instantly. For, yeah. for sure, like, I think the best thing about this resurgence at the moment is just like there's so many bands now that you know you can't place them, but you can just say they're fucking heavy, which is exactly what you want. Like, you know, who cares about you know placing bands in these genres? Like, as long as it slaps, it slaps. And to be fair, we can definitely say the same about nine choirs as well, because damn, those riffs, chunky, amazing. I want to get into the concepts of the album. Um, obviously. From what I've read, it seems to be like the anti-Christianity theme. But I want to say, is there something deeper? Like, what is the, the lyrical theme? When you guys were sitting down to write it to paper, what did you want to go for? So I've, usually when I answer this question, it's in like, uh, it's like on paper. So I'm finally getting to kind of say it with my own words. But to me, as far as like bands overusing just hell, and demons and the devil like it's just been done a lot and then like to me i wanted to find something a little deeper 
a little bit more un, unsettling, I guess. And to me personally, I feel like if I was a Christian, which I'm not, um, I would be more scared of finding out that heaven and angels and God and stuff is like not what I thought it was and yeah. doesn't have the same agenda that I, I've been preaching to my kids and growing up in, in church and doing all that. And like, so there was something about trying to make a concept of like, um, this isn't necessarily about hell and Satan and demons. This is more about heaven and angels, but them not giving a fuck about humans the way it's thought, you know what I mean? And try just, and, and it's all, to me, it's all fiction. And so really I'm just storytelling. I'm just experimenting with, um, with fiction and just like, I'm all into all kinds of conspiracy theories and I love aliens and I love history. And I, I love, I love like um, the aesthetic of a lot of old church stuff and, and all that. Like, I just, I just like how it looks. And so I kind of just took the aesthetic of, you know, angels and heaven and stuff and combined it with like, like, like an evil presence kind of. And so it's yeah. like a voices, the, the fifth track of the album, it's about being carried up to heaven and you get to heaven and it's like, uh, you, you, you don't get to get in, even though you were like the best Christian you thought, and you thought that you were going to make it or whatever, like you get there and you, even you don't deserve to be in there and you find out that it's just like, it's not a place you go if you've been like a good human. It's just, it's just a realm you can't comprehend and you don't deserve to be there and you, you know, you, whatever. So it's just, that's kind of like the, the, th the theme of this album. I find it oh. super interesting, to be honest. Like, I think when you when you take something and flip it on its head, obviously, like you said, Hell and the Satan and all that kind of stuff has just I've been, you know, the 90s bands covered that pretty well. Yeah, but, like, it's interesting, then, as it's spooky season, you know, it's something that we've talked about, you know, we love about horror films, is that, you know, when you expect something, like, you know, if they go into a creepy basement, you're like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen here. But, like, if they go into, like, sort of, like, a, you know, nicely lit place and everything looks all kind of happy, and then it turns out it's not what you think it is, like, that always seems yeah, sense against like a false sense of security so you know mm -hmm. that is always much more scary when it defies expectations so it's a super interesting concept for an album i think yeah thank you uh when the whole thing sparked because we were gonna release godless voyage and the song astral nameless wasn't on it and i like a week before we sent it off to be um you know printed on cds and everything i wrote it just like in like one day just out of nowhere i wrote that song and i it's because i just found out what biblically accurate angels looked like and they're fucking terrifying oh man i was just about <laughs> bringing that up they are fucking like if you was like if you didn't it, they look like how our demon would look like they right. don't look like it's not like oh it's beautiful it's <laughs> that would be fucking terrifying exactly if that came down there's no Christian that would just be like, oh, that's an angel. I'm safe. They would be like, what the fuck is that? That's I didn't sign up for this. This is insane. And, it, and it, especially if it comes in, it's just wiping the planet or whatever the case. So Astral Nameless was kind of like the it was like the foot in the door to, to the nine choirs, because the this album is really all about when I first discovered the, the whole concept when I was doing Astral Nameless. And so. Yeah, once I saw what those angels looked like, I was like, man, that shit's that's scarier than any fucking demon or whatever, you know. 
<clears throat> and like I said, to me, it's all fiction and it's fun to play with it. And, and to people that it's not fiction, it might give them a sense of unease, which is good. That's, you know, it's like thought provoking. And uh, people that are bored of hell and demons and shit, it just gives them a, a new kind of thing to to consider, I guess. Oh, yeah. I I I always love like because um like using that sort of like juxtaposition um mm-hmm. because if you've ever read, have you ever read i don't know if you've ever read a paradise eat like paradise Isa. um it's oh. all part of like you know like dante's inferno uh purgatory okay. paradise Isa. um even though it's not like full on this is what you know like this is in the bible this is christianity it's all just this guy's interpretation this guy's mm-hmm. own interpretation is fucking terrifying of heaven like when you read read about it it's like it's genuinely like i always used to think like if you actually got there it would be terrifying like it because it's something that you would not be able to comprehend like it immediately like vaporize your brain like yeah. you'd just be like oh so this because how he describes it is like he, he describes like an entire circle of angels and the light's so bright that it could blind you and, and shit like that. It's just like, that that's fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> like, it would just be so horrific. Like, and then, yeah. if anything, hell would look like a cakewalk. It's like, okay, so just like eternal light burning fire. I know what to expect there. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's great that you've made that concept, like that, that album about that concept because it's a concept that I've always thought about myself as well. I'm like, it would be absolutely like just like so weird and so odd and so like out there. Like growing up, me and my mom used to get in so many arguments. Once I became like a teenager and I started questioning shit, like she was always like a, a devout Christian. And it was like by the Bible, word for word, even even all the funky shit that, you know that people skip over, I would, I would bring it up and she'd be like, you know, if it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. So I believe it. And so we, we butted heads a lot and it made me have to constantly, I was trying to bring up like, so if this is heaven, this is what you really want. Like, this is what it says in the Bible that heaven is going to be like that. Like, that's what you want as an afterlife. Like to me, that sounds fucking terrifying. Even just like what's in the Bible of it just sounds terrifying to me. So we used to go back and forth on it. So I've been, I've been in a weird place with religion pretty much my whole life because of growing up in a house where my mom was super Christian and my dad was super not. And they stayed together for uh, up until I was like 12 or so. And so I just, I, I was constantly at war with like what to believe. And so naturally that became like the thing that I, I guess affects me the most. And I, I feel like it affects the world quite a bit. And, and so okay. I just, I don't, it's it's an easy thing for me to 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 make stories of and concepts of. So, oh, yeah, I think it's like, quite interesting because um, obviously we're from the UK, so like you know people are religious, but it's not it's never like that extreme. I think as you guys get it in the US, like you know a lot of kids are brought up in very heavily religious homes, and I think it you know once they get to like the teenage years and they choose to like not believe, you know I think people around them will definitely look at them differently, and things will you know negatively affect their life to some degree. You know, we don't get oh, yeah. that as much as like when bands kind of come out and they are, you know, either speaking anti-Christianity or they'll speak, you know, about like, you know, what you guys are talking about, you know, a different perception of heaven to what like people will believe. Like it's, I think it's more impactful because it sounds like it comes more from the heart because, you know, you guys yeah. have lived in that environment, then you're choosing to write about it now. But obviously over here, 
you know, if people choose to not be religious anymore by 16, you know, they're like, all right, cool. That's, that's all right. It's, I, I didn't know it wasn't like that. Like, yeah, here, especially in Texas, you pretty much everybody you meet in a day is pretty Christian. Yeah. And so when you meet someone that's not, it's kind of like, oh, shit. Like, okay, you know, like uh, one of I'm my interested. somebody that sees through the bullshit. <clears throat> and right. I don't think all of religion is totally evil i think i think a lot of like evil people use religion the wrong way and i think it it can it can really ruin the entire image for a lot of people and i think a lot of people do need some kind of religion in their life some kind of thing to keep them stable to stuff so i'm not i'm not really anti people having religion or having like a god it's just kind of like I've just really seen an ugly side to it, and I've r- rarely seen a side that was useful to me personally. Oh yeah, and so like, I definitely don't uh, alienate anybody and make them feel like you know, oh, we're against you. If like, I, if you want to listen to our music and you believe in God, that's cool because all my shit, like all the lyrics and stuff, it's all fiction, it's all storytelling. And uh, Christians watch horror movies and they get freaked out and everything. So it's not to to shit on them or anything. It's more just to just to make them think maybe. And just just to entertain, so yeah. If you're listening oh, yeah. now, your tribal your tribal gears approved, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you've got the <laughs> yeah, you've got the green light. <laughs> I mean, I have friends that are Christians, like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. Like over here, it was very odd to because, um, like I grew up, my my mum and dad, they're atheists. They they don't believe in in God. My even my grandparents. They're they're like they like yeah they're not really bothered about religion or like I wasn't christened or anything like that like mm. there's like up until I hit school that's the first time I ever heard about religion oh okay genuinely like when because we have like a subject here called beliefs and values it's basically just about every religion it's like a way to try to make everyone just like well this religion believes this that you know like, it just explains everything. But that was like the first concept I, I, I ever heard of it. Like, and it was weird because people around me obviously had like this pre-built concept. Except like, oh yeah, I know who I, I know what God is. I know what heaven is. And I used I used to sit there at the back going, I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it's that that was the first ever experience I had hearing about religion just in school. It was like, I, I came home like, mom. They've been teaching me some mad shit about like God and like, <laughs> is he, like ange- angels and shit like that. Is that like, why, why didn't you mention that? And she went, Oh, me and your dad don't believe it. And like, wait, 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 wait. They were teaching. So this isn't facts. And she like, No, no, it's not facts. You can choose to believe it or you can't, or you don't. And I'm like, That fucked me. I was like six. And I was there, like, just sat there, like, caught, like in a deep, like, di- dilemma. And I'm like, Well, school were telling me about this shit. But my mom and dad just said it's not. I, I mean, I had some so like a massive authority complex, like based around because oh, sure. it was I'm just sure. like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> See, in in Texas, off the top of my head, I can't think of any of my friends that had atheist parents. The way it is down here is like you're born Christian, and then you may or may not work your way out of it. But like everybody you know, their parents are Christian. I can't off the top of my head think of anybody. Um, that was just raised with atheist parents that didn't have it pushed down their throat. So almost everybody I know didn't break away from it till we were teenagers or whatever. 
Yeah, so it's right. like you hear about a household that just it wasn't taught in because I just I don't like, know what that at all. Sort of like a bit different for me. Um, I mean, like, so I went to like a Catholic primary school and a Catholic high school. Um, so my grandma was like, you know, a massive believer in it and stuff. She wasn't like, you know, enforcing them or anything like that, but she believed in them. My mum kind of went to the same school. So kind of naturally I went to the same schools, but it was like, you know, she, my mum was like kind of religious at the time, kind of not. So she made me go to these schools and then like, I kind of went to church. I had my communion and everything like that. And when it came to like confirmation. I think that's when I started to like, you know, not believe anymore. Um, but yeah, just, and I just sort of transitioned out of it, but there's never like any sort of pressure from anyone. So I kind of saw what it was like for people that, you know, were Christian around me because, you know, people at the school had parents that were religious and went to church most weekends. I don't know where they stand now, but yeah, so it was kind of like half and half for me, really. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's not, it's not too opposing i guess it's or or uh, oppressing or whatever it's like you you weren't like you know crushed by not wanting to be christian anymore i guess by the time you were a teen yeah it was just sort of just like okay well i'll just go my which path i want to go so now and then like there wasn't really any judgment after that yeah i mean it's weird when your your mom tells you if you don't like come back and believe what she believes like you will eternally burn for a, a, a time that you can't even wrap your mind around and i just i don't know it's 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 tough it's it, battling with like religion and family and stuff it, it can get it can get nasty yeah oh yeah i can i can imagine imagine yeah that, that, it's 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 that to me it's like it's, it's really hard to think of because it's it's just it's never been a thing in my family at all like ever like on both sides as well there's not like a single member of my family that I've ever spoke to, they're like, "Oh yeah, well, like they like they they were religious." Like, Damn, that's crazy. It 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 really like I you know you'd expect like grandparents. Nah, my yeah. grandma's like she's like yeah, I don't I don't know. She's she's agnostic. Damn, she's that's... like ah, I don't I don't know. Either she won't. I'll find out when I die. It's either nothing, and I won't be I won't be aware of it, or I'll be in I'll be in hell or heaven. <laughs> it's like that's what that's what's gonna happen. That's yeah, like uh, hearing about a grandparent that thinks that way is blowing my mind. Here, there is no such thing as a as a non Christian grandparent. I've never seen that before. Oh yeah, That's I think crazy. it's I think it's like if anything, it gave me a better like sort of grounding. I think because I didn't have that sort of pushed from like a young age. But I mm. also think like it was always in sort of stilled in me. Like, it's like my mom and dad would always tell me, "Look, you've only got like one go at this." It's like, trust mm-hmm. me, you've only got one go. It won't like a, oh, don't, don't worry about it. You know, like, there's there's up there. And it's like, oh, you know what I mean, it was just, it would never like that. It was always like, you've got to make, you've got one go, fucking make the most of it because we don't know shit all about what happens after. And that concept makes me wonder so much how society would be if every person was on board with you only have one go. There's entirely too many people assuming there's something after this and there could be there i mean i don't fucking know but i feel like it's a safer bet to live like you only have one shot i mean i would yeah. like to think to make people either make the most of it or at least be better to people um and it, it would it would be i feel like it would be a huge 
a huge humanity shift if the majority of people thought like that and it's that's just not the case yeah i completely agree with you there like you know often i think if you know religion wasn't here like people wouldn't be as divided as they are but then i also think on the flip side like you know if you look around the world now people will definitely find other things to differ about and you know there'd always be mass conflict i think it's just human nature to just destroy each other um but yeah but i do think that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i don't know i think yeah but i do think religion causes divides and i think it it automatically sets like you know you're that person you're that person you're that person but on the flip side as well you know it it created a great album nine choirs so i want to talk about what is a song that resonates with you the most like when you look back at the album now you know which song means the most to you it can be like what you're proudest of from the monster riffs from it or lyrically or you know what are you most proud of and why um so i want to say that's tough i want to say some of the lead work I, I really, I tried to go uh, a step beyond like, okay, with Cold Devotion, the first track, um, the the solo that's in the middle, um, our other guitarist, Ian, he did that one. And that one is like one of my favorite, so maybe my favorite solo that he's ever written. And so it inspired me to want to try to up my my game, but also make mine different. So the solo at the end of the song is more jazzy and it's more... Um, especially when the drone part kicks in, it just goes straight like jazz Alan Holdsworth style. And so probably I want to say the lead work on cold devotion for me and Ian is like, um, it's, it's one of my favorite developments of us because um, I really wasn't that good at solos. I don't even think I'm that great now, but I think we both tried to really step it up um, in that aspect. Um, So I'd, I'd probably say that's one of those. And then, um, shapeless i think that one just like it's almost like nothing was inspiring me to write that song it just it came out of like kind of like out of nowhere all the other ones have like a bit of like something i was going through a bit of a phase so i was wanted to write a riff like this or write a riff like this or i was listening to obituary all week so i wanted a, a a riff like that and shapeless was the only one where it was like I wasn't listening to any music really. And there was nothing inspiring me. Like all those riffs kind of came just straight from me. So maybe that song. Yeah. But I think what's, what's really sick about the album is that like, when you listen to it, I think what made me really enjoy it the most is that I listened to like, I couldn't say this is a so-and-so riff or this is a so-and-so riff. I was like, no, that's a tribal gaze riff. Like it has completely hit me. And especially like now that I know what the concept's about, you know, like, you know, proper deep dive into it and then how you guys structured it, you know, I think it's it makes me appreciate the album even more. So when I stick it on tomorrow, I'm like, wow. You can almost like feel like you said, like these evil angels like coming down from the sky. Like it's got that sort of gravity pull to the riffs. So yeah, I'm excited. So that's, to get back that's into cool. That makes me happy. I'm I'm glad that that's the case. Oh yeah, it's like honestly, I've not enjoyed um, a death metal album as much as this one. If I'm like. I'm not like kissing your ass or anything like that. I'm being completely honest because like Brad knows it's very hard for me to really sit down and listen to an album. Yeah, like, he's a negative the, bastard, sir. I'm not I'm not <laughs> negative. It's just it's at this point I've listened to this music for like years. 
So it's like if if I can out if an album's okay, I'm like it's okay. Like I'll just be on, honest. But yeah, this one was amazing. Like so sick. It like one of the first like albums of this year that I've comfortably when I'm not pausing it. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna listen to the full fucking thing. Like, <laughs> dude, that makes me happy. Truly, I we 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 really wanted to make something that was our own. And there's a lot of people that are a lot that are good at a lot of different stuff. And so I, we didn't want to try to compete in any way as far as like technicality or, or the heaviest necessarily. It was just like, we like groove. We like, we like to uh, write riffs that you could like, how do I say this? Images in our head inspire us to write riffs in a way. So we try to write riffs that can make you see like a picture. And yeah. so I feel like when I'm listening, because I, I still listen to the album too. I'll fucking put it on. I'll listen to most of it some, sometimes, if not all of it, and be like, damn, I still like this album. Because uh, a lot of times by the time you put an album out, you've probably heard it a million times. And so it's hard to write music that even after a million times, you still like it. And And I even still like my own album. So that, I, f- I feel like we did what we were trying to do as far as just make something memorable and something you don't want to just turn off because you've heard it a bunch. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like that's one thing I wanted to ask you because obviously that all we've seen is obviously your album being shared as well. Like, like it's getting a lot of attention brought to it. Did you feel like you was going to get the attention before you released it? Because I know when you've written a banger and you know it's a banger, you're there like, oh, you get like a feeling, don't you? Like you just say, like, I know this is going to do well. So like, was that, was it like that once you've like obviously composed and got oh, the album already and everything like that? Was it like, I'm literally sitting on a grenade right now? Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I was feeling that way after like one or two songs. Like, I think the first fully written song for this album was, um, it was either Shapeless or Wept. I think it might have been as, uh, uh, and how they wept for eternity. Yeah, that's my favorite one. That song, I, I was so excited about how it came out. I was like, I think we're gonna make a really good album if this is our starting point. I was like, if we can take this idea of groove and heaviness and mixing it in with like a little bit of technicality and stuff, but, but making it, like I said, memorable. I was like, I think this album's going to be nuts. And then every time we wrote a new song, I was just like, shit, like if you listen to these songs in a row, it's hard to just turn it off. Like there's no part where it's like getting boring or anything. And then by the time the whole album was finished, I knew, I knew everybody's going to like it. I mean, I, I've been expecting people to, be like, oh, they changed their vocal sound a little bit. Uh, and the only the only thing about that is uh, Kenna has been doing both, all, all the vocals he does on the album, he's been doing that live since our first show. But when we recorded the first EP, we just had him do all lows. And I love his yelling voice so much that I was like, fuck it. If people don't like that he's yelling on this album, I don't even care. Like, I want him to use his full range because... I'm such a fan of how he sounds at every pitch that I was like, we get, we got to do it. I I don't care if people get upset about it or whatever. But so the only thing I thought people were going to be like upset about was that he added more flavor to his vocals. And I haven't really seen too many people bitch about it. So 
I, I kind of figured it was it was going to do well because, I mean, we just love it. And all of our friends loved it. And so we were like, all right, you know, every time we would show it to a new friend, they would love it and be like, okay, I think this is probably going to do pretty well. Oh, yeah. Honestly, oh, like, yeah. it feels like guys that just, you know, written an album that wasn't there to please anybody else. Like, you didn't really stop and think, oh, shit, we need to make it more like 90s death metal or we need to, like, you know, yeah. make the production sound like a potato because that's what the standards expect. Like, it felt like you did everything right. You know, the production was great. It sounded clean. Like, you know, the, the riffs, you, know, you, you knew how to put it back and actually make songs and not just fucking riff salad. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I honestly think that, it, it it sounds like you guys had fun with it. You know, you weren't trying to just please the masses. And I think that's why it came out so authentic and great. Album, all of our music is written for us. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I think that's like, I think that's honestly the best way to, to write music because I've been in too many bands where off the bat, they're like, we want to sound like this or we want to go for this. And it's like, yeah, you can't just do that. Like, you just kind of need to get in a room sometimes and you just go, because I've had it too many times where people said, well, yeah, but that's not this band. And it's uh, like, who the fuck cares what this band yeah. sounds like? It's right. like, it's literally, at this point, if like, because at that point, we're all, you know, like local bands and, and stuff like that. It's like, we're just literally throwing shit out at the wall and seeing what sticks. So, yeah. you know, why not have like a two-step section in this? Or why not have like a breakdown there? Like, biggest thing that annoys me as well is when people are too obsessed with music theory. They're like, yeah, but we need like a, a chorus there. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, just if it sounds good, just do it. If it doesn't, yep. cut it and make something else. Like, it's as simple as that. And I think that's honestly the best way of going about writing. If you want to, if just write songs that you want to hear rather than what you think people might want to hear or like what you're a fan of this band, but you know, you want to copy, like, you want to see if you can make it almost identical to them. Just write what you want. Yeah. See, every like tribal gaze to me is every like i said like crowbar and nile and mammoth grinder all of those bands have such perfect moments but then they do stuff i wouldn't do and so there's always been like oh i wish they would have done this or i wish they would have done this or kept this sound or whatever so with this band it was like we have a chance to use like concepts from my favorite bands and just like slip those in in a place where I guess they don't normally like exist. Like I don't hear a lot of crowbar influence when I listen to death metal. Usually I hear a lot of like, um, like incantation or fucking, I don't know, obituary or, or like gore guts or something, just very classic sound. Like that's the main inspiration behind stuff. And so I just wanted to take inspiration from elsewhere and and put it in death metal and then take out the parts of death metal that I get that I get sleepy listening yeah. to. And Definitely. so I it, it it made something that I'm pro I'm always gonna be proud of and I'm I'm always gonna be happy about. And it's funny because I was I'm writing a song right now, like I'm in the studio. I just hit pause to do this. And uh I'm already excited about like the shit we're working on again. It's crazy. It's like we, we don't run out of riffs. We don't get tired of writing. We just have so many different influences and stuff and so many ideas that didn't even make it to the album. So now we're trying to fucking get it all going again. Honestly, I think I speak for everyone. We all can't wait to see what comes next, to be honest. But I want to talk about I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your, your hobbies and interests. So when you're not writing monster riffs, what are you doing? What do you get up to? Like, I'm, 
I'm pretty insanely boring at this point. Um, I used to train jujitsu a lot. I love jujitsu and MMA. Um, and I haven't messed with it at all since the, um, like once the quarantine started going to gyms got weird. And then like, I kind of had like a falling out with my gym and there's like not one around that I wanted to go to. So that was a, a really big part of my life for a while. And I kind of put that off. So now I don't, I don't really have too many other hobbies. Uh, we practice a couple times a week and then I go to work and when I'm not at work or practicing, like I'll play guitar for a little bit and then uh, I have a PS4. I'll play video games, Oh yeah. but I'm pretty boring, dude. I don't do much. I, I I'm in my house 24 seven. Like I never leave my house for anything except to go to work. And uh, yeah, that's, I, I'm like I said, I'm pretty boring. I'll play video games every now and then, but for the most part, it's either writing or f- fucking looking at my phone, not doing nothing. Do you ever miss doing jujitsu? Yeah, can't say it. Jujitsu. Do you ever miss it? <laughs> I do, and I think it's hard. It's like, especially with touring coming up. Like we're about to start touring, like way more, and it's with with jujitsu gyms. You got to pay like a monthly fee. It's usually like a hundred bucks or something. And a lot of places don't want you to just sign up for a month. They want you to do like a, you know, like six months or a year or something like that. And so it's, I do miss it. I don't miss all the injuries I have from it. I'm fucked up all over the place because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got my blue belt and there's like a stigma with it. There's like a stereotype that once you get your blue belt, you, you stop going, you think, you know, it all. So you stop going. Because it's really hard to get a blue belt. It can take anywhere between two years, like a year to three or four years, depending on, you know, it's not like Taekwondo where you can get a fucking black belt in a few months. Like it's, it's totally different. And so you work hard for years and years because you want to be a blue belt. And then a lot of people quit after they get blue belt. And I didn't want to be that. But then when the pandemic started, I got all the stuff for a studio. And so I got really, I get tunnel vision about stuff. And for years I was tunnel vision about jujitsu. And so once I had a new thing to put hundred percent of my focus in, I lost a little bit of the interest in like going and actually competing and stuff. Yeah. I think at some point I'll pick it back up, but, but for right now, I kind of just, I like not getting injured all the time. And, uh, and like I said, once we hit the road more, it'll be, it'll be hard to just want to to do it and then stop doing it to go on tour and then do it and stop doing it. So I'll probably put it off for a couple more years and get back into it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I've, I've always wanted to get into jujitsu, but like he said, a lot of gyms won't go, okay, we'll, we'll sign you up for a month to see how you go. They'll be like, Oh yeah, no, you need to be like signed up for a while. So he's like, yeah. one of those things is like, you know, like, this is you know, like a lot of money. It's a big commitment to be paying for like the next 12 months for something that I'm interested in, but maybe, it's, you know, because I have a really bad habit of getting obsessed with things and then just stopping. Um, so I, I got someone at work that they're like, they're trying to convince me to go, but it's like, it's like, it's just one of those things. Like it's a big decision because it's like a lot of my time to, to sort of go if, into it. If you can pull off just doing it monthly or every two months or something like just to see if you like it, because a lot of people get, they get scared off as soon as they start, depending on the vibe of the gym. Cause sometimes a lot of gyms will act like sharks when new guys come in and they'll just fuck them up. And so if you find a gym, everybody's cool. 
Nobody's trying to prove anything. They're actually interested in you learning and you don't have to pay a shit ton and you're not locked into a six month contract that you don't necessarily know if that's for you. I would definitely do it. Um, it's, it can definitely change your life in a lot of good ways, but like I said, like at the, I've been doing it for a long time. So I kind of, I got what I needed out of it and I got hurt a lot. And that's mainly because of competition stuff. Like when you, when you take it to the next level and it becomes more than just like a weekly hobby and you start wanting to compete, you start training at a different level. And then it, it it's just, you know, it, it turns into a whole different thing. I don't know how you are with like competition or like, um, like zeroing in on something, but with jujitsu, it's, it's not fun to not put all your focus into, cause it's not fun getting fucked up all the time. So you yeah. want to get as good as you can, as fast as you can. So you're, you're able to hang with everybody. Yeah. And, I, I'm, uh, I am quite competitive as like a person. Um, it's, it's, so you it's, could probably like really latch on to it. I think. Yeah. That's it it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. I've always kind of been competitive as a, like since I was a kid, but I think I realized why I think it's because I was not a really fit kid. So like mm-hmm. I used to always get beat. So I think as an adult, that's made me go, nah, fucking, I want to win now. So it's like, it's just like, it's just this weird thing that's just snapped in my head one day. It's like, mm-hmm. now it's like, no matter what, I need to win something. It's like, <laughs> even if it's not like an official competition, I'll just sat in, sit in the back of my head being like, oh yeah, I did better than that. I, I did better than everyone else. That's funny. You know I mean? yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if you're competitive, jujitsu is, uh, it's, it's definitely something to, to get into, especially when you start getting good. Because I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you're like a big guy or a smaller guy or what, but nobody fucks me up more than little dudes in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. It is like, it is like they have a magic superpower. <laughs> and so if, if you're like someone that ever got bullied or whatever, you're not like a super big dude, jujitsu will turn you into someone that can like uh, really hold your own, even against like really big people. And if you're, so if you're competitive and you're like a super focused person, jujitsu ends up being like a savior to a lot of people like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, my, uh, my friend from work, um, he's, I think he's just got his like, uh, certificate certificate from the the Gracie Drip gym saying that he's a, like a trainer now, and he could oh, he's going cool. to do his like refereeing and stuff like that. Oh, um, cool. so like he knows his shit about jujitsu, but he's like literally like looking at him, he's like the skinniest, calmest, nicest guy ever. But he's yep. like everyone in the office always takes like like jokes going. You know, it's funny though because he's like out of everyone you could think in this room could fold you up like a pretzel. You wouldn't mm-hmm. pick him out. <laughs> like, yep. You wouldn't be like that, that guy over there. <laughs> my jujitsu instructor um, was—he's probably five six, probably weighs one hundred and fifty pounds. And there's nobody that comes into that gym at any weight, at any height, that can do anything against him. He's a—he's like a—he's like a little superhero. And that's what he's a black belt, so that's that's like just what happens. But yeah, no, I've I've seen it a lot. Just the the most sometimes almost nerdy looking just tiny dudes that look like they couldn't harm anything will absolutely decimate your ass. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he, he gives off those vibes. He is quite lanky, but he is like very skinny. So it's like, it's just so funny. Like um, we're talking about it at work once and he went, Oh, I can show you how to chuck someone out. And this was before I knew he did like jujitsu. I was like, what? And he was like, oh, no, it's like really easy. You just like pull on there. And you're like, I, I think uh, someone volunteered. <laughs> and, like, oh, cool. Fell asleep straight away. <laughs> and I was like, 
I was like, how the fuck did he learn how to do that? And he went, oh yeah, I do jujitsu. I was like, ah, yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, it's out of everyone you wouldn't expect um, him to be like probably the the ha- like the hardest guy in the, in the office. Dude, how it always goes. Definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why you really just don't want to fuck with people. You really you have no idea like what they're capable of. Especially everybody I know that's good at jujitsu is a smaller guy, and it's just like anywhere I take them. I would hate for somebody to want to like mess with that dude because they all have no idea. Oh yeah. yeah, it's like whenever you see like because in the UK we have like this thing called chavs. I don't know if you've heard about them. Um, it's basically imagine the biggest dickhead you've ever met in your entire life. Okay. Now imagine that as like a, almost a small population of people because you get like chavs are like this offshoot of British people. It's weird. It's it's like okay. um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like just Imagine just like really, really annoying people. It's like kind of like they just pick fights with everyone and everything like that. And it, the, the label is, oh, they're a chav. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like it's okay. it's, it's kind of that. Um, it's every, every single part of the UK has a chav, like has someone who's a chav. It's just one of those things yeah. you call someone like that, oh, they're a chav. But oh, okay. they go out and they'll like purposely like pick fights with people over stupid shit. Um, like then they're not they're not like great people. Um, but it's always made me wonder like one of these days they're gonna pick a fight with just the wrong fucker. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Just some nerdy, unexpecting, just you'd think he was just like a pushover, and then he absolutely makes you rethink the whole decision. Oh yeah, and yeah, the thing is most chaps like massive pussies. Like yeah, the, the amount of times they they like call you out. I I had it once. Um, it's because knife crime's pretty bad, um, in the UK and like, chaps are the main people doing it. Um, but it's like um, I once was walking and I this guy thought I bumped into him, but I didn't. It was actually because he was having an argument with his girlfriend and she pushed him. But he thought it was me, and I was just I just kept walking, and he oh, turned damn. around and he was like, "Oh, come back here!" And I was there like. What? Why? What, what? He goes. Uh, he goes. Come back here. I'm gonna stab you. I'm like, why the fuck would oh, yeah. I walk up to you? <laughs> so, like, well, why don't you say so? <laughs> Come back here and stab me. Come here. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if you're gonna stab someone, it's like, oh yeah, come here. Do me a favor. I don't. I've got bad knees. I need to rest them. You know, like, <laughs> I, let's just come to me so I can stab you. It's like, yeah, that, that's. I'm not doing that. I kept walking and he kept shouting and I was there like. He's still not followed me. <laughs> so this isn't gonna happen. But yeah, it's always it's always funny. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so the the gun laws in um the UK, is that is that why knife crime is so bad? Like most people don't have guns. Is that like no, the whole deal? probably to be fair? Yeah. Kinda, kinda. I think it's because it's just a matter of accessibility. We've got access to knives relatively easy. But we've, we we still do have quite strict laws on knives. So like a fixed blade, you can't have that. You can't carry that around. It needs to be something that if you put any pressure on it practically, it will collapse anywhere. So like okay. switch blades, anything that locks illegal, anything above like, I think it's like three inches is illegal to carry. Yeah. Um, okay. it's You can still get guns in the UK. Um, so like it's very easy to get illegal guns like, in the UK, like we still we've got we haven't got like a massive gun problem, but a lot of gangs and stuff like that in the UK do do like like shootings and, and stuff like that. It's very, it's very common, um, but it's really hard. To, it is really hard to get them. Like 
the only way you can get them is we've got to fill out like a form, um, apply for a rat license, join a club, like a, a hunting club, club or something like that. Um, mm. And then after you've had your form done, um, you've got to have a safe place to put it. And they prefer it if it's bolted down, uh, prefer, preferably as well. Um, if you've got CCTV, that's almost a mandatory if you've got a gun because it's, it, if it gets stolen, you can get really, really fucked. Um, oh. And you've also got to keep ammo separate, every, every, everything and everything like that. And you also have, a, have to have like a, a sit down with like the um, head of police in your area or a representative of that person oh, and all crazy. that to get a jump, like a, a gun. So it is hard. We can get handguns, um, but they have to have like, like a, a stock that goes up to your elbow and a, a silencer about that big um, just because you can't conceal it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you fuck with it at all, you lose your gun license and you can, I, I, can't, I don't know if you get prison time, but you can get like a pretty fucking hefty fine. Um, okay. So yeah. And you can't get anything above 22 normally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. No, it's, it's so different here. Um, I went into a academy. I'm sure y'all don't have one of those. I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, it's like um, it's like a sports store. It's got fucking like camping supplies, um, all sports gear, stuff like that. And you could go in, and there's a huge rack of rifles, like AR-15, AK-47. I mean, it's all. It has to be semi-automatic. Like there, you can't have automatic weapons uh, around here. But you can go buy an AR-15, and when I did, it was it was so easy that it was almost funny. It was almost, like, kind of scary to think that, like, you go in, you they hand you a paper, you sign it, and it asks you, like, um, like, are you a citizen of the U.S.? And you just say yes. And it's like, do you, um, it's like, do you smoke marijuana? And you just hit no. And then it's like, do you have any plans on using this to, uh, like traffic marijuana? It was like really specific questions. And then you could just answer them. And then they give you like a background check or something. And then it's, you have the gun in 30 minutes. It's like, it's nothing. Yeah. And so it can be kind of a scary thing if you think about it, because it's really easy to get guns or it, it was when I got mine. Yeah, it, no, it's it's, it's yeah. Re- like I only know the amount of hoops you have to jump through just because the drummer in my band, Danny, he does like shooting as a hobby, um, mm. and like he had to go through all that just to get a gun. Um, but even like airsoft guns, so if you wanted like one that's not like painted like bright orange, you've got to join like an like the air, like an airsoft club and get a specific license to have like like almost like a replica looking like one because like if. Yeah, you know, like, if you're ever like out and like the police see you coming back for if you do S off as a hobby, they don't know if that's like real or not. So God. you need to have paperwork to be able to back it up because they will stop you and they'll be like, What the fuck is that? <laughs> um that's so, crazy. Yeah. You can get airsoft guns at fucking Walmart here. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 really it's it's mad like uh it's mad the, the amount of, like laws we've got on it but it's because we had like i think we had like one school shooting in scotland and then like after that like yeah we're making this as hard as fucking possible america has gone through quite a few of them and almost nothing has changed gun laws like 
as, at least in my area. I'm, I'm sure they have in the areas that they were affected, hopefully. But as, as, as far as I can tell, the school shootings is like apparently not enough for um, people to change laws. So it's pretty. Uh, do y'all have? Uh, I, you said you have gangs, but is there a, a relatively low number of, of mass shootings there? Oh, it's, just yeah, definitely. Yeah, like if if there is ever a mass shooting in this country, it would be like on the news for about a week. Like it would be like massive news. It doesn't happen often. Like yeah, very rare cases. Gang violence is is common, so you don't really hear that much. But um, I live in quite a rough area, and like you can like you hear shit all the time, um, but it never gets reported on. But knife crime—that's a serious problem at the moment because there's like I think there's like. So the statistic on it is like there's like like 50 stabbings a day or something like that. Um, Dude, in some I'll areas. be honest. I do not want to get stabbed. I would rather be shot than like stabbed and like bleed out and die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same here. Like there was there was once um, there's an alley behind my area um, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a guy that turns out there was a pub. I think that I know which one you're open. talking about. Yeah, there, there used to be a pub that was open. And there's two like there's two gang, gangs in my area that like famously like hit each other, um, and they used to allow both members of each gang inside the back like the the like the pub. So one day this guy goes in, he's part of the other gang. He gets stabbed, and turns out he was laid out in my the alley behind my house. Jesus, that's where they what? found him. He won I don't think he died, but. Yeah, that's where they found him. Like there were police tape the next morning, and I remember I heard, I heard shouting, but I was like, it's not uncommon to hear shouting around this area. So I just went, oh, I'll just go back to sleep. And my mum told me that like the day after, and I was like, shit. Um, yeah, so yeah it, mate, it's it's crazy. Like we don't have guns, but we still find a way to like injure each other massively. So yeah, something something about somebody running up and stabbing me all over the place. It literally scares me more than just getting shot. And maybe all that's right. dumb. I don't know. But that shit just it just doesn't sit well with me. I don't know. It's it's a no, bit, it's a well. weird feeling because it's like you it's like you can't in a in a like, you know, obviously, you know, like in America, you could probably go for a drink and if someone like starts on you, you know for a fact that oh you got if, if they've got a gun, chances are they're not gonna use it because you know. Um or anything like that, but there was like a re- very real like fear that if anyone like start like you know start, wants to start a fight or anything like that, that you could be like roll like you could be like okay yeah and it's like rolling up to a fist fight and this guy's got a knife because it's yeah, really that. easy to hide everything like that so mm, yeah I don't like that at all yeah absolutely yeah so we are getting to sort of the end point of the interview now uh, one thing that we always like to leave on is um what advice would you give to a new musician starting out and what advice would you give to your younger self okay so to a new musician uh or like so like uh, are you saying like uh, about to start a new band or like they're just starting to like want to make music yeah just starting to like either either make music be yeah, either or. so i would just say Look around your area, look and, and see what see what everybody's doing, and then find your own thing. Like you definitely like I don't want to 
write music that everyone is hearing too much of or that everyone is getting from this band over here or this band over here like find a way to take whatever idea you've got for a band and think how do we make this our thing only in some form and obviously we're all playing music that the people we look up to have done it better or whatever so it's not like we're inventing the wheel or anything but just do your best to make your own thing and um and then as far as like my younger self um i would literally say work on lead work sooner like i fucked off for a long time only writing riffs and i'm such a i'm such an enjoyer of leads and and different types of solos and stuff and that came later so i think i would definitely push myself at a younger age to start working on it sooner so that way by the time you get to my age like you just have that skill so when you write songs you don't have to think as hard when you're writing a solo like you like i i know people that can improvise and can go crazy with solos and it's because they've got the neck so figured out they they understand scales and phrasing and stuff so me personally i would i would go back and be like do this sooner yeah that's no, that would be mine. that'd probably be mine no well thank you so much um like i said you should be extremely proud of that album um i think thank everyone's going to continue to spin it and you know whatever you're writing now i'm sure it's going to be fucking amazing um and i hope that someday if i'll get to hear jungle rituals live myself as well oh yeah, yeah. get on the yeah, camera no, you get to talk, please <laughs> yeah and it, honestly it's been great having you on um i've this out of all the ones that we've had in the calendar this one i was looking forward to probably the most um yeah. just because I was, i'm a massive fan of the album um it's all it's been great speaking to you it's been great meeting you um yeah, if you ever cool do come, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it's been been great. But if you ever do come to the UK as well, one venue you've got to play um, is Boom in Leeds. Old DIY hardcore venue. Um, really sound people that work there. And it's a tiny room, and it's just so much, so much fun. One of the best venues. Remind me, because when we come to the UK, which it's not going to be as, as long as you'd think, remind mm. me, and we, yeah, will, we will make it happen. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Honestly, I I recommend that that venue to every single band that comes through the podcast because okay. it is my favorite venue. It's one That's of the best. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's been it's been great, man. Absolutely, yeah. it was really cool meeting y'all. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, man. See you.